0: So this morning we continue to pitch our New Life Base Camp tent. You may remember two weeks ago, if you were here, that we thought about the fact that Jesus, the Word, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He came to earth, sent by God the Father, to pitch his tent in the midst of us. And that's where we get this image from, for our church. God dwells in the very heart of the church But he takes us out through the front doors and into the community. He doesn't want us to be stuck in one place. God has created church as a movement, not an institution. And then last week, Phil took us through these words of Jesus in Matthew 11. As we started to think about what it means to rest, that was our first tent peg in the tent. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. And I wasn't here, but I think Phil very graphically displayed a yoke, the yoke of Jesus, which we've to take off our old yoke, which we often have put on us, or we put on ourselves, and put on the yoke of Jesus, who just longs to give us rest and show us how to live our lives in the rhythm of God. And this week, we're going to learn how to breathe which is always a good thing. <laughs> when we pitch our tents, when we go on an adventure and set up base camp, one of the first things that people do is they have to acclimatise, don't they? If they're going up a mountain, they have to breathe in that thinner air. Or if they're going somewhere else, or if you come here this morning and the heating's not on, you have to adjust a little bit. You have to acclimatise and, and breathe. And this is what we're thinking about this morning. We've got to give ourselves time to adapt, take time to breathe in and breathe out. Breathe in the Spirit of God and breathe out the good news of Jesus. We see this happening in one of the first base camps of the church in the New Testament. It's Easter Sunday. Jesus has been crucified The disciples, his followers, are locked in a room because they're afraid. It's in Jerusalem, around about AD 33, and Jesus walks in and breathes the gift of the Holy Spirit into their lives, and everything changes. Turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 20. That's in the New Testament, second part of the Bible. John chapter 20 and verse 19. Some of the disciples have started to encounter the risen Jesus, but they were women, so the the male disciples didn't really believe them, and so Jesus was about to turn up in person. And here's what it said. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. forgiven. Amazing words. Jesus comes to us and he offers us the gift of his Holy Spirit. These disciples were terrified that Jesus was now gone and they missed him. And so he knew that the key thing for them was to receive the presence of his Holy Spirit. And that was going to change everything. You know, when Jesus turns up and brings the Holy Spirit with him, the culture changes from bad to good. And uh, that made me think, uh, when I was uh, younger, uh, growing up in Glasgow for the first 30 years, Glasgow was a great place to grow up in, but it, it maybe didn't have the kind of best reputation of some of the cities in our lovely country. It had this reputation of being a bit mean and unhealthy. If you watchers us of Taggart, if you're of that age... You'll know the famous phrase, there's been a murder. And you kind of have to roll your R there to get it right. Yeah, Glasgow had that reputation, but in the 1980s, things began to change. And uh, the Lord Provost of Glasgow, a guy called Dr. Michael Kelly, had this brilliant idea of recruiting Mr. Happy to change the image, the culture of the city. So he went to the the author of the the Mr. Series and asked him. And he gave permission for Glasgow to use Mr. Happy as the image for the city going forwards. And it's amazing how that turned things around and helped Glaswegians see themselves in a different light. And so going through the 80s, things started to change. In 1988, the year Janet and I got married, Glasgow hosted the Garden Festival. And Glasgow started to remember what the meaning of its name actually was because Glasgow is a Gaelic word and it means dear green place. And Glasgow is full of lovely parks and, the, you know, they created this lovely area down by the river. For the Garden Festival, it was an amazing experience which kind of rejuvenated the city. And then in 1990, Glasgow was named European City of Culture. Imagine that. (laughs) So as a Glaswegian, I'm going to just give you a few lessons on culture uh, this morning. But the city did start to just focus on different things. Positive instead of negative. Vibrant music, the arts. Glasgow has some wonderful galleries. If If you go, you should visit Kelvin Grove Gallery for starters. And great parks, as I said, and food. We started to enjoy other types of food, like curry. <laughs> and we even started to eat vegetables. <laughs> Although, you know, I don't know what all the fuss is about, you know, vegetables. And, you still can't beat a can of iron brew and a deep fried Mars bar. <laughs> Uh, Don't knock it if you haven't tried it. It's very nice. Especially when we dod ice cream on the side. So um, what happened was that Glasgow became miles better when they opened the door to a new culture. And after Jesus' crucifixion, the culture which dominated Jesus' band of followers was fear. They were terrified. They were close to outsiders and in fear for their lives. But then Sunday came, Resurrection Sunday, and everything changed. Because in walked the risen Lord Jesus and opened the door to a new culture. Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And suddenly the atmosphere amongst them had changed for good. In one breath, the culture of fear which dominated this little group of disciples changed to a culture of peace. The shalom peace of God. That's not a surface level peace, that's a deep peace. Whereas everything is the way it should be in our lives and in our world. That's the kind of peace that Jesus brings. Where does this come from, this peace? It comes from the presence of God. It's not something we can manufacture ourselves because it comes from heaven. This peace comes from the presence of God. Earlier in John's gospel, Jesus made a promise in chapter 14 and this was Jesus coming to make good on that promise and his promise was not to leave his disciples as orphans. He didn't want to leave them on their own. And so he said, The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Fantastic words. We often read them at funerals, but they're good any time of the year. The Holy Spirit is God in person. That's a really important thing to remember. Jesus breathed in them with the gift of himself, his Holy Spirit. The Father's Holy Spirit no longer just with them, but this is God in them. The living, breathing, transforming presence Of God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Maybe that freaks you out a little bit. This thought of God living inside you. You know, it's a bit alien to us, isn't it? And it's a bit strange. It sounds a little bit like possession. But Jesus says to you, look, don't be afraid. I don't give to you as this world gives. I have not come to control you. I've come to set you free. Just breathe in the fresh air of the kingdom of God. So to understand what this looks and feels like, let's see what happens when these early followers of Jesus received the Holy Spirit and welcomed him in. So here's what it says. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. So the first thing I want to say about this culture that the Holy Spirit brings is just like Jesus, the Holy Spirit creates a culture of peace because the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. The Holy Spirit gathers us together and that's what we see happening in this little room. They're together for some courage and and security and a bit of safety in numbers, and here we have Jesus dropping in to the middle of them. Jesus at the center, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. And Jesus turns up and he's in the middle of them. The presence of God makes all the difference to the church's life, and this is what the Holy Spirit does too. He comes and he brings Jesus into the center of the things because the Holy Spirit is the shy person of the Trinity, as someone has said, and he always points towards Jesus and says, look at Jesus. Isn't he lovely? Isn't he amazing? The Holy Spirit gathers us together with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, at the center of our gathering. His presence makes all the difference, and that is why we should make the Holy Spirit feel at home in our midst and I think that's been going on this morning as we worshiped wasn't that wonderful worship it was Holy Spirit I think inspired worship this morning the Holy Spirit makes all the difference and that's why we should make him feel at home if we make the Holy Spirit feel at home other people who come here will feel at home too Because the Holy Spirit is a hospitable God. He's a welcoming God and he gathers people in to join with us in our worship. The Holy Spirit gathers us together. And Phil said it last week, didn't he? It's good for us to gather together. It's good for us as God's people to prioritize gathering together to worship him. Sundays, or whenever you gather, are important. So let's make that a priority. Just like Jesus... The Holy Spirit creates a culture of peace. The Holy Spirit unlocks the doors. Those doors that were shut because of fear. Jesus didn't even have to unlock them. He just went straight in. And the Holy Spirit unlocks things that are locked in our lives. What is it that's locking you in? What is it that's binding you up? Keeping you enclosed when you really need to break free from it. What is that thing? It could be a whole host of things. I'll not list them. But whatever it is that's keeping you locked in. It's the Holy Spirit who can come and set you free from whatever it is. The Holy Spirit is not on the outside looking in on you on your situation. He's on the inside beside you looking out. And he can transform that situation you find yourself in. All you have to do is ask. Ask pray, come Holy Spirit, please come and help me. Shall we just take a moment to pray? And so yes, Holy Spirit, we do pray, come. Come into the midst of the situations that we find ourselves in today, or that we'll go into tomorrow. The situations where we just can't see a way out, and that fill us with fear and trepidation. Lord, I pray, come. Transform those situations. Turn them from bad to good. Unlock the door and transform our lives today. Amen. The Holy Spirit replaces fear with the peace of God. Remember when Jesus came to the disciples in that little boat in the middle of Lake Galilee and they were straining at the oars against the storm and getting nowhere, and then all of a sudden they see what they think is a ghost, but it turns out it's Jesus. And Jesus says to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. The presence of God changes everything. They thought he was a ghost. And a lot of people think the Holy Spirit is a ghost as well, don't they? You know, we've got that kind of poor theology where we used to call the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost. And it's not really a helpful term because it gives us that sense of fear and even evil. Yes, spirit, but not ghost. The Holy Spirit is just like Jesus in every way and he comes to us in the storm and he calms our fears and he says it as I I am don't be afraid take courage just like Jesus the Holy Spirit comes to us in our stormy situations and he transforms them with his presence he calms our storms and he stills our fears just like Jesus, the Holy Spirit creates a culture of peace. After he said this, he showed them his hands and said, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Just like Jesus, the Holy Spirit creates a culture of joy, and that joy is resurrection joy, and that is such good news. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes to the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what was going on here with this little group of disciples who'd heard some rumors that Jesus wasn't in the tomb anymore. They'd heard some rumors that maybe even he was alive, and there he was physically in the midst of them, showing them his hands and his side. This was a physical resurrection. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes to the physical resurrection of Jesus. In the next story, we've got Thomas, who wasn't there. You know, he does a bit of a Victor Meldrew on his fellow disciples and says, I don't believe it. I need to see the nail marks in his hand and put my hand into his side. And Jesus takes him at his word because his resurrection is a physical resurrection. It is not a metaphor. Jesus' resurrection is real life and he is alive and well and sits at the right hand of the Father today. He is a risen, resurrected human being and will always be so. Jesus defeated death on the cross and to prove it, he came back to tell us. Right there in the midst of that little group of people. And the Holy Spirit is the one who confirms that resurrection for us. It is the Holy Spirit's power that raised Jesus from the dead and gave him back that life that he had given up for us. It is the Holy Spirit, then, who turns our sadness into joy. The joy of reunion. These disciples who thought they would never see the Lord again got to see Jesus again Three days later, the Word made flesh by coming to be present with us, to live within us, the Holy Spirit brings the word to life in our lives. that's why Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit after his departure. It is so Jesus can come by his spirit and dwell within us and in that sense we embody Christ, turning our sadness to joy, our tired lives to new life, and our deaths to resurrection. Isn't that good news? We had a funeral here on Friday, Mildred Wright's funeral. She was 99 and 11 twelfths. She didn't quite make that 100. But you know what, it doesn't matter. Because she loved the Lord, and she believed in the Lord as her savior. And so her life continues eternally, In the presence of God, Jesus turns our deaths to resurrection. So death is not something for the follower of Jesus to be afraid of because Jesus has physically conquered death. He died on the cross and he rose again three days later. And we will rise again too. The Holy Spirit turns our sadness into joy. The Holy Spirit creates a culture of joy in the church because the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. And then lastly, we take the tent outdoors. This lovely image has been produced by Jen. They've got in a big poster up where the kids are running about crazy at the moment and uh, they're doing this. They're discovering what New Life Base Camp is for themselves. Jen's got a tent up and they've got sleeping bags and they're having a great time. But Jesus went on to say, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed in them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Just like Jesus, the Holy Spirit creates a culture of unity. The Holy Spirit makes us one with the Father and the Son. That's what Jesus' prayer for us was in John 17, that we might become one, just like he and the Father were one and are one. And this is why Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit, because he wants to bring us to unity with the Trinity. It's the Holy Spirit who brings unity in a church, that elusive thing that is so hard for us to find and can so easily be lost by us. We can't create it by ourselves. We can't manufacture it ourselves. We can't recover it ourselves once it's gone. Only the Holy Spirit can bring that unity to us. If we squeeze the Holy Spirit out of the life of the church, which uh, the church down through the generations has been in the habit of doing, we are effectively saying to God, it's okay, God, we'll take it from here. So let's not do that because, you know, that never goes well. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. It is God who makes us one. It is the Holy Spirit who makes us one with the Father and the Son. That's why we're called to follow Jesus. And that's what happens when we start to follow Jesus. Jesus breathes his Holy Spirit into our lives and he miraculously makes this bunch of people here that meet every week one. You know, people from all walks of life, different backgrounds, different ages, different stories, and yet we gather together and somehow we are one. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who breathes into our nostrils the breath of life That's what we read about in Genesis. When God gave to mankind, to Adam and Eve, His image, the Holy Spirit breathed into them life. And suddenly they were able to walk and talk and engage with God their Father. He gave them the capacity to live life the way God intended us to live life and to live life God's way. He gives us the capacity like he did for Adam and Eve to, as it says in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, love God and enjoy him forever. That's the picture we see in the book of Genesis when God breathes, his spirit breathes life into this man and woman in the midst of the chaos. He's helping them to love God and enjoy him forever. Now they messed up and got that wrong. And so do we but still available to us today. All we have to do is say, come Holy Spirit, breathe your life into my life. Help me to love God and enjoy Him forever. Anyway, can you think of a better way to live your life than to love God and enjoy Him forever? You know, He's not even asking us to do anything here. So we're not talking about breathing in oxygen, O2. What we're talking about is breathing in HS3 the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the God who breathes life into the elements of our bodies and makes us live, truly live, the way God has called us to live. We're called to be like Jesus and we need the breath of the Holy Spirit in our lives to even get close to that. And of course, we don't get close to that, but we can get a little closer to that with the power of the Holy Spirit living in us the Holy Spirit calls us to be like Jesus. And so like Jesus, we are sent out by the Father with this gift, this wonderful gift of forgiveness, calling people to believe in the name of Jesus. And it's a slightly strange way that Jesus puts it, And, you know, many words have been written in many commentaries of the Bible trying to explain what Jesus is saying here. You know, if you forgive someone's sins, they're forgiven, and if you don't, they're not forgiven. You know, and I read them all, and I I was still a bit perplexed by it all, and I still am, because it's God who forgives. But if we look at John's Gospel, what we see is that forgiveness only comes by believing in Jesus' name. So, what he's saying to these disciples, I think, is get out there with the good news of the gospel and call people to believe in my name because that is how they will receive forgiveness. And that is how you and I receive forgiveness today, by believing in the name of Jesus. And we do that by way of the cross. We come to the foot of the cross, put our burdens down, and have our lives washed and cleaned and set free, filled with the Holy Spirit, to live our lives the way God has intended us to live our lives, carrying this wonderful gift of forgiveness to share with other people. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so this is not an exclusive thing. This is not God just having this little group over here that are his and everyone else can go to hell. This is not what's going on here. This is God saying, all are welcome to enjoy this eternal life, to be forgiven for your sins. But the place to go to receive that is the cross of my son, Jesus Christ. And I'm not giving you an alternative way. However unpolitically correct that is today, this is the journey we must take to receive that forgiveness. And it's a journey for all of us, you know, so no one's better than anyone else. In fact, we all need to come to this place, whether it's today or whenever. We need to make our way to the cross of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit of God is present here this morning with us to breathe the forgiveness of Christ and the eternal life of heaven into our souls. Let's receive them together shall we? Holy Spirit, living breath of God, breathe new life into my willing soul. Bring the presence of the risen Lord to renew my heart and make me whole.